0: by the word of our testimony. Amen? Amen. So I wanted to make sure we give that opportunity. Um, there's today's service is going to revolve pretty much around miracles and healing. And I wish we had time because we would we would probably could do this with testimonies for 68 weeks easily just in this body of people that and I'm not talking about I'm talking about verified like been to the doctor. There's evidence. OK, this is what I'm talking about. People say, oh, those things were in the past. Now, Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. There's still miracles, signs and wonders operating today. And I want to make sure that we give the opportunity to glorify our Father, who is, who is still in the miracle working business. Jesus is still resurrected, and he's still moving today. So we're going to give a couple people opportunity to do that. But in the meantime, I, I would like to, there's been some questions, and some people have, because of my stance and belief in miracles and in healing, that maybe I'm against doctors, and, and I'm not against doctors, but um, I, I read something a few weeks back, and I just wanted to share it to lay a foundation of, of what I believe and what I believe most of this body believes. This is from a lady, her name was Catherine Kuhlman, and many of you have heard of her in the past, and uh, she was verified, <laughs> yeah. verified, anointing on that woman, and, and Jesus moved mightily through her, and many, many, many thousands of people were healed, verified, So this is something that she wrote. She said, if you believe I'm against the medical profession, against doctors, against the use of medicine, because I believe in the power of prayer and the power of God to heal, you are wrong. Had I chosen a profession, in all probability, my choice would have been either medicine or law. But I had no choice. I was called of God to preach the gospel. At the time the following article was published, Dr. Elmer Hess was president-elect of the American Medical Association. Any doctor who lacks faith in the supreme being has no right to practice medicine, said the Erie, Pennsylvania specialist in urology. A a physician who walks into a sick room is not alone. He can only minister to the ailing person with the material tools of scientific medicine. His faith in a higher power does the rest. Show me the doctor who denies the existence of the supreme being And I will say that he has no right to practice the healing art. Hess made these statements in a prepared digest of extemporaneous remarks planned for the opening of the 48th annual meeting of the Southern Medical Association. The SMA, with a total membership of 10,000 doctors, ranks second only to the AMA as the largest general medical organization in the country. He said this, our medical schools are doing a magnificent job of teaching the fundamentals of scientific medicine. Hess went on to say, however, I'm afraid that the concentration on basic science is so great, the teaching of spiritual values is almost neglected. All healing is divine, as Dr. Hess so strongly implies. A doctor can diagnose, he can give medication. He can give his patients the best that medical science has given to him and to the world. But in the final analysis, it is the divine power of God that heals. A doctor has the power and ability to set a bone. But he must wait for divine power to heal. Are you getting this? All healing is divine. All healing. Man does not have the ability to heal. Doctors have the ability to diagnose. They have the ability to set bones. They have the di- uh, ability to prescribe medications. But no doctor knows how healing happens. Right. Right. It's outside of them. And it's outside of us, quite frankly. It's a God thing. He is the supreme being. He is the, the almighty God. He is the, what do they call him in uh, AA and NA? Um, your higher power. Yes. Th- that higher power's name is Jesus Christ. Yes. There is no higher power but Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of other little G's, but there's one big G. Amen. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If this God is so powerful to create and speak into existence this world, he's also still powerful enough to keep doing what he's always done. It's who he is. He can't change. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's a bunch of omnis. And he never lowers one to increase in another. When he's in justice, he's still in full love. He doesn't decrease love so that he could be just. He never decreases. He's always what he is. I'm going to quit preaching and back to reading. I'm sorry. It was good though, right? <laughs> A surgeon can skillfully perform the most difficult of operations... He may be a master with a scalpel, using every facet of his well-trained intellect. And I'll say God-given ability. Yet he must wait for a higher power to do the actual healing. For no mere human being has ever been given the power to heal. Any truth, no matter how valid, if emphasized to the exclusion of other truths of equal importance, is practical error. My faith in the power of God is the same as that at that exercise by any physician or surgeon when he believes in the healing and the curing of his patients. He waits for the nature of God to heal gradually. While I believe that God has the ability to heal, not only through a gradual process, but should he so will, his is the ability and the power to heal instantaneously. That's the God I serve. He is omnipotent. I am not. He is omnipresent. I am not. He is omniscient. I am not. Therefore, he is not limited by time, nor is he limited by man's ideologies or theologies and preconceived ideas. So I'm going to stop. How many have been to a doctor and you've put faith in that doctor and you have believed that when they set that bone or when they prescribed that medication, that you were going to get better? If you didn't put faith in that, you wouldn't have went to him. Fair statement? Therefore, it requires the same amount of faith that you're going to place in a doctor that God has given abilities to prescribe and diagnose to heal you. However, he has no power to heal you. So if you're going to put faith in that, why wouldn't you put faith in a God that does all of the healing? He does it instantaneously, and he uses men. So if we can put our faith into a man to to prescribe and give us a right diagnosis, we can put our faith into a God. Amen? And I would say this. If we could put our faith and to a God to to forgive us of all of our sins, of every sin we've ever committed, right? Every vile act that we've ever done, and maybe some of you haven't, but I have. Of all of the garbage and I could put my faith for him to forgive me of all of that, to cleanse me, and then call me righteous and call me his son, how could I not put the same amount of faith that when he said, I have went to the cross and I I took stripes on my body and a beating for your healing, How would I not put that same faith in that? Amen. So if you have the faith to believe that you've been forgiven, then you have the faith to believe for healing and for miracles. That's good. good. Praise the Lord. If you believe that it is a sin to go to a doctor or to take medicine or to have surgery when needed, you do me a great injustice. To be sure, I believe that God has the power to heal instantly without the material tools of scientific medicine. But I also believe that God gave us brains to use. I strongly believe that. And he gave us intelligence. He gave us a will. And he expects us to use good old-fashioned common sense. So I had an appendix that was going south on me. And I believed and prayed for probably a year, probably a lot longer than um, I should have. But I just didn't want to go to the doctor. Now, however, the Lord saw fit that I went to the doctor. And when I went to the doctor, he, he healed me. The doctor didn't heal me, but God healed me. And I will tell you this, through the prayer of this body and through the prayer group that, that uh, Dr. Paul is going to be sharing about earlier, I recovered supernaturally. I healed supernaturally within, I don't know, I mean, a day after the surgery. I mean, I, wa- I went home that day nothing limited me. I went to work within a few days and they said, I'd be out for a few months and I didn't take pain pills. I didn't need to take the pain pills. I, God did something in that. And I don't understand. He could have done whatever he does because it's not my stuff, but he does it. He touches and didn't have to go, but I'm not, I'm not against what he did with me there either because that was supernatural. So, that's where I'm at. I've experienced both of them. I like when it's this supernatural touch, divine, that is not having to use the doctor. I like that one a lot. <laughs> However, I also like the fact that he created us with the, our bodies, even with the ability to heal themselves at times. He put healing in us. It's his work. We, we, we tracking? All right. If you are ill and have not yet received the gift of faith so that you believe in miracles, then get yourself the best medical assistance possible. And pray that God shall work through the human vessel. Pray that your doctor will be given divine guidance in treating you. And then both of you wait for God to do the actual healing. God's healing power is an indisputable fact, with or without human assistance. If you believe that I, as an individual, have any power to heal, you are dead wrong. I have had nothing to do with it, with any miracle recorded in this book, Nor have I had anything to do with any healing that has taken place in any physical body. I have no healing power whatsoever. All I can do is point you to the way. I can lead you to the great physician. And I can pray. But the rest is left with him and you and God. I know that what he has done for me and I have seen what he has done for countless others. What he does for you depends on you. The only limit to the power of God lies within the individual. Listen to Ephesians 1.19. The exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. According to his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now we're coming up on Easter and we're going to start next week going through that process. And I call it Super Sunday. There's no better Sunday than Easter. That's that power is that resurrection power. And uh, he's alive in case you didn't know. <laughs> death couldn't hold him down right the nails couldn't keep him pinned he conquered that and he's still conquering i just like to um share very quickly i i appreciate this church so much that we we had a huge attendance and actually the community um we've been promoting the unplanned movie and this church purchased and and filled and we we got a hundred tickets and i just want to appreciate that there was a house full there was no other movie playing on that showing except for Unplanned in that theater. The, the community had the because of the need of the community and, and the Christians waking up, every spot was filled. So I just want to thank you. We were able to give almost just shy of $1,000 to the um, Pregnancy Help Center in that offering that we took. <laughs> one of the great, great things that came out of that movie, well, many great things, um, but one that encouraged me is specifically that's worth sharing right now, is that when Abby, who was the head of Planned Parenthood, the youngest ever director, when she had her wake-up call, she went running to this young man and woman who loved her and had shared Christ's love so beautifully. And they were on the other side. And she was so blown away that, that they cared for her. But when they began to dialogue and, and share what had happened, they didn't have any idea what their effect was. Actually, they thought they had had no, def- no effect they had went and stand very peacefully and just prayed. They weren't ones holding signs and being the grim reaper or any of that. They were just praying. And they found out through talking with her, they said, yeah, we didn't think anything was going on. What happened with you? And she just goes, oh, oh, you don't know. She goes, and this is the little secret that none of them want you to know, that when you were here praying, the abortion rate dropped 60 to 70%. <laughs> Every day that, the, that people were there, the church was there praying. So I would encourage you, as, as a church and as believers and as a body, to pray every day for the unborn. Yes. This has to stop. Yes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be just how I, I, as strong as I am to you as I am on myself, is I look at my, I have two young boys and a, and a young daughter. And if we don't do something, I don't want my boys to someday, as they get older, and say, Dad, you knew about this, and why did you not do something? Right. We're going to have a generation of young people who I believe the Lord is waking up. And I believe this will be the last generation that abortion will be legal. But we need to, as parents and as adults, we need to stand up and, and quit planting our head in the sand and acting like it's, someone else is going to take care of it. No, no one else has been, you are here by divine, divine appointment. You're on this planet for a purpose. And if, if good men do nothing, evil conquers. So we, as a body and as believers, are going to believe to end abortion. And we're going to pray. As Some of you oh, we're just praying. No, it's powerful. It's powerful. Prayer is extremely powerful. So I would challenge you to pray every single day for the unborn. Amen? <laughs> don't go bomb abortion clinics. That's not, that's, that's not how you're going to. We don't, our weapon's not in flesh and blood. It's spiritual. So you handle this in a spiritual matter. And, and we're going to love on women and men who have supported abortion. We're going to love on them just like Jesus does. We're going to encourage them for healing. We're going to believe that they will be set free. If Abby, if Abby, who had two abortions herself and was supporting and behind 22,000 abortions, when she came to her reality, she thought it was impossible for God to heal her and for God to forgive her. And I'll tell you what, he forgave her and he healed her and he restored her. So if you've had and experienced that, your sin is no different than no one else's. There's no one here standing holding rocks because that don't work out too well when we see Jesus come in the picture. Because if you're, if you're going to throw rocks at someone else, you better have not sinned. If you're going to point your finger at someone else, you better have not sinned yourself. And there ain't no one who can do that. Not in this house. Amen? Amen. So we're going to believe like Jesus did. We're going to believe for healing. We're going to believe for restoration because he's still in the restoration business. Amen. If I can have uh, Brother Dennis come up. Um, he's going to share a miracle. The supernatural miracle. I had a small miracle this week. Um i changed the brakes on my Suburban and put new brakes on it. And when I went to go test them, my sister had called me in the process and I stuck my phone up on the hood right by the antenna. And it doesn't have a rubber sticky case or nothing on it. It's actually very heavy and metal. So it slides really good. So I stuck my phone up there and went about my work and got done. And I went to go brake check the vehicle. So I took off and hit the brakes really hard a bunch of times. And then I thought, well, you know, you probably should get up to good speed. You know, me being a good... Faithful speeder and (laughs) got up going pretty fast and decided to really lay on him quite a few times and on the same way home and got out and got to my receipts for my breaks and all my stuff. And I look up and my phone's sitting right on the edge of the hood, right where I sat it, next to the antenna. That's ridiculous. But that's just a little thing. But it was just the Lord kind of, you know, he's sneaky, suspicious sometimes. And he's like, oh, you want to talk about miracles? Let me show you something kind of ridiculous. I expected, seriously, I expected when I went to grab my phone that it was like magnetically charged or something. Because there's no other explanation for it to have sat there. So that's just a little, you know, compared to the rest of this, that's just a little thing. But God's concerned about even the little things. This man right here is going to share something that's a big thing.
1: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to see someone raised from the dead? I was worshiping in anticipation of this. I I could see Mary standing at the tomb and the sun rising up and shining down on that scene and meeting Jesus thinking that he was a gardener. Alive. Dead, but now alive. If you don't know Jesus, you're dead in trespasses and sins. You don't even understand what that means. You don't understand the power of that. You don't understand what separates you from a holy God. But when you put your trust in Jesus, when you believe on him, and the Holy Spirit shows you how lost and undone you are, and what pain is in your life because of it, and you humble yourself and cry out to him. That resurrection, that resurrection takes place deep inside and raises up in you and it never leaves you. You become a child of God and you walk in sonship or daughtership. You've got a brand new life. It's not a rehabilitated life you can't fix this life you've got a brand new life it's in Christ you've got a brand new mind it's the mind of Christ that's what it was like for me the night that I got saved when I heard the gospel and I began to understand how lost and how undone I was What pain was in my life, and I couldn't fix it. But when I cried out to him, his love just washed over me, wave after wave after wave. (laughs) And his love has never left me. Have I had a perfect life? No. I've been rebellious. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been hurt by a lot of people. And every time I've tried to fix it, it's fallen apart. It's only gotten worse. It's only become more painful. But when I've cried out to him, he breaks the power of that. You know what happens when you put your trust in Jesus? It destroys the weapons of the enemy. Totally disarms him. Because now he knows he can't trick you. He can't mess with your head because you're trusting Jesus. And so you begin to walk in the spirit and walk in the liberty that Christ made you, made you free for. So what I've experienced recently is just a recap of my whole life as a Christian and of my struggle in letting go of my ability to fix my life or anybody else's life, letting go of my ability to be what my mind tells me a Christian should be like. It doesn't work that way. Two days after Thanksgiving, my wife and I had an opportunity to burn a very large um, heap of brush that we have to burn on our property every year. I had it covered up with a tarp waiting for the rains to come. And just a small area about the size of a, a desk down at the bottom of the pile was exposed to the weather. We had been burning all day long, and we were both really tired. And I'm looking at that pile at the bottom that's not burned because it's wet. So I dig down in that pile to where it's dry. And uh, not having any gas and diesel mix, I decided to get some gasoline and put it in a black plastic pan and put some wood in there and just get it good and wet and then put it down in that hole and then very carefully ignite it. So this is a story not only of God's love and mercy, but of stupidity. <laughs> um, Even a gas-diesel mix is extremely dangerous. But this was straight gas. So I take these pieces of wood that have been sitting in this gas, and I go over and I put them down in this hole where the leaves are dry. And I go over and I get a, a branch that's burning on the end. I take it over and stick it over there, ignite it so it's burning and I go and I get some more dry wood and I very carefully am putting it on top of this fire now I'm going to stop here and tell you what's going on I've worked construction my whole life and I've had a lot of wear and tear as I've gotten older my knees have been replaced my shoulders are worn out I can raise my arms in the morning, and I can praise the Lord, and it's wonderful, and I'm not in pain. But if I've worked all day, my wife has to help me get out of T-shirts. She has to pull them off of me because I'm just in excruciating pain. I can't lift my arms higher than this without pain. And that's the situation that I was in when this happened. It was about 4.30 in the afternoon. And I was wearing a long sleeve thermal shirt with two little buttons right here. It was buttoned up. It was cold. It had been drizzling all day. I was wet. My shirt was wet. Clinging to my body. So I go over and I get these dry pieces of wood and put them on the burning pieces. And suddenly realize that my shirt is on fire. So I'm looking at it, and I'm shocked. So what do I do? I throw it into my chest. I drop it and roll on the ground. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Only when I did, my shirt goes whoop. I had gas on my shirt. I didn't know that it was there. When you mess with gasoline, and it gets in the air, and you smell it, you don't know where it's at because you smell gas everywhere. You don't know that it's all over your pants all over your shirt because you smell gas well my shirt exploded and it was hurting it was burning and I got up on my knees and I'm trying to trying to hide my face from the flames because um, well you, you don't want to breathe it and my eyes are shut because I don't want my eyes burned and my Eyelashes burned off. I could smell my hair burning. Um, I was in extreme pain. and, And now I'm on my knees with my eyes shut. And this voice says, you need help. You can't fix this. Is this? Yeah, it's on. It says, you need to cry out. Now, a conversation took place in just a split second. It's amazing how much can happen in a moment. The voice speaks to me, and I go, oh, no, no, I can't cry out. I'll panic. And if I panic, it's all over. I won't be able to do anything. And I'm struggling, trying to get this thing off. And I'm in Pain, not just from the fire, but from my shoulders that won't work for me. So the voice says, you can't fix this. You need help. Cry out. Oh, no, I can't cry out. My wife will hear me. She'll come running over here. She'll get get burned, too, trying to help me. I've just got to get this off. You can't help yourself. You need to cry out. So now, by now, I'm worn out. I'm out of air because I'm trying not to breathe. You know, and my eyes are shut and I'm trying to hide from the flames. And I go, Help, Help! And she heard me. And my eyes are shut. And I don't know what's going on. But Nancy, would you share what?
2: I still cry, (laughs) but that's the healing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I got this. (laughs) Um, I turned around. (laughs) I saw him on fire. I went running towards him and I got about 10 feet from him and you know people are you familiar with the series The Invisible Man and he takes his hat off you can't see him and he takes his coat off and you can't see him well that's what I saw but I know it was an angel <laughs> I saw him grab Dennis's shirt saw the works of the angel he grab his shirt and I saw his shirt just pull off his body like this just the air and get thrown off into the dirt and then the shirt was still on fire and I don't believe that I was there to get him out of a very very serious situation but I was there to witness the power of God <laughs> and I'm s- and I'm so thankful <laughs> Every day, you know, God is so faithful. You know, when we can't do anything but say, help me, he's right there to deliver us.
1: Well, we finally got to the emergency room, and they started taking care of me. And they told me that this was going to be a very long Uh, and painful journey of recovery. Um, They were concerned about whether I was going to need skin grafts. They were concerned about whether my fingernails would fall off. um, I'm I'm just going to cut to the chase here and tell you that... uh, Instead of being in all the horrific pain and, and the months of recovery, on the second on the evening of the second day, all pain and I was in a lot of it, but all pain just suddenly left. <laughs> uh, the next day, when we went to the doctors and we told them what was going on, they shook their head and said, "That means you've got bad nerve damage, and uh, you're looking at surgery." And I said, "Oh no!" And my hand is in a big bandage, but I'm going like this. And I said, "Oh no, I can feel. It just doesn't hurt. It just doesn't hurt." And they said, "Don't do that. Don't do that." Um, So what they say would be months and probably as much as a year of recovery, in seven weeks, my hand was like it is now. And if you could see the pictures of before, and some of you have, uh, and some of, I don't know if you're here, but there's nurses that attend our church. And they have... Looked at my hand and, and saw the pictures and they've shaken their head and said, Dennis, it just doesn't happen this way. You don't heal up this fast. It, it just, but <laughs> it's the Lord. I wanna I wanna leave you with this. If you're a Christian and you've been trying to live a life that's worthy of what he's done for you and you're miserable and frustrated because it doesn't work, it's because you need to stop trying and you need to go on your knees and cry out to him. I would lay awake at night replaying this event in my, in my mind and, and trying to figure things out. And the Lord said, read the 34th Psalm. I read the 34th Psalm. Verse 6 and 7 says, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his troubles The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him to deliver him. And I said, Okay, Lord, I won't try to figure this out anymore. I won't argue with what's taking place. I believe. (laughs) What I'm wanting to say to you, Christian, is that he's faithful. He'll cause that resurrection power to rise up in you, and you will disarm the enemy with your faith and trusting in what Jesus alone has done. And you'll walk a new life. A new light will shine on you. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, he loves you. He loves you. And he's got something wonderful for you. If you'll cry out to him, He will not disappoint you. You'll start a new life that you can't even understand at this point. Praise God, brother. Amen.
0: I could have Dr. Paul Jones if he could come up. Think at the end of this, I'd like to have um, cry out, cry out to Jesus. We could have that ready on the loop. That'd be awesome. This man is going to share about verified healing of cancer. I know the big C word. God still heals cancer. He still conquers cancer. Amen.
3: All of my life. I've had a well body, and I'll be 90 this August. I can say that I haven't even had a headache in all of my life. And I've had a lot of problems to deal with in the type of work I've done. But God has been so wonderful. My father, years ago, when he was 26 years of age, Had the doctor say to him, Mr. Jones, you have tuberculosis and you have to go away to a sanitarium for a year. My father had gone to the Baptist church, had never seen one person ever saved in that church. Dr. Sawyer didn't preach on salvation or sin. He preached about the sun and the moon and the stars and the trees and creation and the like. When the doctor said that, he said, well, can I work on the inside instead of being an outside salesman? He said, Mr. Jones, you have to go to a sanitarium for a year. And my father had never heard a sermon preached on divine healing. He had never seen a person healed. But I've heard him say many times, he said, I went upstairs and laid on the bed and said, Jesus, if you will heal me, I'll serve you as long as I live. I'm not sure he understood what he meant when he said, I'll serve you. But he meant, Lord, if you'll make me well, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. My father never became a preacher, but he's one of the greatest soul winners I've ever known. And he went every Sunday afternoon to the jail and preached there was such a wonderful prayer warrior in the church. It was about... Well, we we moved from Pismo Beach uh, two years ago. And the house we were to live in that we purchased and now live in was not finished. So we were living with my son in Elk Grove. I have a son in Elk Grove and one in Sutter Creek and two wonderful daughters-in-law. And I had to have a CAT scan. And so I went and had the CAT scan And the doctor came back and said, Mr. Jones, you have cancer in the upper part of your left lung. Whenever we hear the word cancer, it's an awful word. But when the doctor looks at you and says, you have cancer, it puts a certain feeling in you that's really hard to explain. He said, and then he said something I never heard before. He said, you're too old to have surgery. That was not the most encouraging thing I've ever heard. But he said, I have a procedure I've used 900 times. And he said, I want you to come in a certain day. So I did, and they made a body mold. It took him two days. Now I said, I want you to come back, and I'm going to give you radiation. And the first five days, you can drive your car here. But after that, you probably won't be able to drive. Well, I drove my car there. And the man who gave the radiation said, Mr. Jones, you're receiving 700 rad, 750 rads of radiation. I don't know what that means except it must be an awful lot. And I went there. On the fifth day, I drove my car there. And the sixth day, I drove my car there and drove home. And the seventh day, I drove my car there and drove home. And the eighth day, I drove my car there and <laughs> I drove home. And I didn't feel any effects of it, whatever. And I went back, uh, well, about a week then. And then I went back three months after that. And he said, Mr. Jones, that cancer is all gone. That was wonderful. I was so happy. But he said the same PET scan. Now, PET scan is more definitive than a CAT scan. The PET scan shows that... That cancer is all gone, but you have another cancer in the lower part of your left lung. That's not the most encouraging news I'd ever received. But somehow faith just rose up in my heart, and I said, I'm going to go to the prayer meeting on Wednesday afternoon. Now, people, most of you don't understand uh, about our church. You come here on Sunday morning and say, this is wonderful. There's something equally is wonderful, on Wednesday afternoon at 5 o'clock. We have a prayer meeting, an old-fashioned Pentecostal prayer meeting. And that means people are not fearful just to pray out. You may pray one time, you may pray three times, or however you feel. And we pray from about 5 till 6.15 to 6.30. And we would had a wonderful prayer meeting, as we always do. And I, I'd, I'd just like to say, The only thing wrong with our prayer meeting is it's not right for a church this size to have 25 out to a prayer meeting because this church's future is determined. Our destiny is determined by the prayer meeting. Uh, We have a wonderful pastor. We have wonderful leadership. But the Bible says it's not by might and it's not by power. It's not by skills abilities but it's by my spirit saith the lord and we need to be in prayer and i just like to encourage every one of you Uh, now i know a lot of you have to work like that but there's a lot of you that's on social security (laughs) and you people if you would most of you can make it your business to be here and i just like to encourage you to be here our church needs we should have 75 people out praying and seeking God, because when this group prays, God responds. We have a lady that leads us, her name is Rana, one of the most wonderful ladies, and a prayer, and I'd like to say you don't learn to pray by joining a committee, and you don't learn to pray by reading a book, you'll learn to pray by being with people who know how to pray. It's just that simple. And if you, you may say, I don't know what I would do, just come and, just come and be. That's all you got to do, just be. And before long, you'll be praying and seeing what I mean. Ronna was getting ready to dismiss, and I said, Ronna, may I say just a word? And she said, yes. And I said, I went to the doctor last week, and he said, that cancer in my upper lung is all gone, but I have another cancer in my lower left lung. And I've come here today because I believe God wants to heal me, and I want you folks to pray for me. Will you pray for me? And she said, of course we will, which I knew she'd say. And I stood up, and those people gathered around me. And there's a little lady comes to church. I don't know her last name, but her first name is Neva, comes to our church. And she was standing right in front of me, and everybody had their hands on me, and those who couldn't put it on me had it on one in front of them. And Neva began to pray and lead out in prayer, and everybody began to pray that God would heal me and deliver me. Now, folks, that's the safest place to be when you have cancer. That's the safest place to have God's people full of the Holy Spirit to be laying hands on you and praying. For Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. So they prayed for me, they prayed earnestly for me. And we got in the car and went home, and I went to the uh, uh, oncologist, a wonderful man. And he took pictures, and he looked at me and he said, Mr. Jones, you do not have cancer. <laughs> the cancer is gone. I hear people pray, and they say, Lord, if it's your will, heal this person. And I, I try to be a gentleman. My mother taught me to be that way. And beside that, I have the Holy Spirit in me, and he feels the same way my mother did. <laughs> and I didn't say a word. But I said to my wife when they got in the car to go home, you know, I've read the Bible through. If you read the Bible, read five pages in the Bible a day, you'll read your Bible through every year. I read ten, year, 10 pages every day, so I read my Bible through two times a year. This week I'm going to finish the 44th time reading my Bible through. And I tell you that to say this. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament and especially in the Gospels, I never have read one time where a sick person came to Jesus and Jesus said to them, it's not my will to heal you. No. The Bible says that when the even was come, they brought to him all that were sick and afflicted and he healed them all. Jesus heals everybody. Now, I've never had a headache. But a headache is no more difficult for Jesus to heal than cancer is. Jesus is Lord of all to the glory of God. And whatever needs you have in your body or in your finances or in your home or in your spirit, whatever your need is, if you'll just allow the Lord, he will release you from that difficulty. There are so many... Scripture. When you read your Bible, just write down on a little, get a bunch of business cards. And just write down on those business cards, healing verses, are verses that build your faith. God said to Jeremiah twice, they shall fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. That's a promise. And I said, that's for me. God said it to Jeremiah, but he's saying it to me. I'm with you to deliver you. And uh, there are other verses the pastor is going to read when I finish. And I'm just finishing now, pastor. <laughs> the little boy was in the Baptist church, and he said, Mama. And she said, son, don't say a word. He said, the preacher's preaching. He says, but Mama. She said, son, don't say a word. He says, Mama. Every Sunday morning, he says, now we in conclusion Mama, what does the preacher mean when he says now in conclusion? She says, son, he don't mean a thing. (laughs) But I am in conclusion. I have in my home a five-inch stack of business cards that have Bible verses written on them that God has given to me when I'm by myself reading my Bible And I've committed many of them to memory. I'd like to encourage you, read your Bible every day and write down verses that talk about healing and God's ability to help you. And it'll work in your life. There is just nothing like reading the Bible. That's God speaking to you. Read your Bible and then you talk to God in prayer, and you will discover, as I have, that cancer is never a problem to God. God heals of cancer today. The doctor said to me, last August the 22nd, I had been he had told me six months before that, "Now Paul, you come back and see me in six months." I went back in six months. He said, You're just doing fine. You come back and see me in six months again. So this month, March, was six months. So I went to see him, and he had he our I was to go see him and he had to call and say, Come see me the next week. And I had that planned and he had a movie, he said, Come see me the next week. My son said, Daddy, don't feel bad. That's the best news you ever heard. If it was bad, he'd gotten a hold of you and told you so. When I the next week he called me on the phone which was 2 weeks ago and he said Paul you're doing wonderful come back and see me in 6 months. When I come to this church and I look at that window as I do every time I come inside this building that beautiful stained glass window it has Hebrews 13:8 on it it says Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever. Jesus is a cancer healing specialist.
0: So we wouldn't we wouldn't do our Lord justice if we didn't take an opportunity to pray and and believe for healing. Amen. For miracles. So we're going to do that right before we do it. I just want to. Share something, um, some verses the Lord put on my heart, and I wrote on the top of this, our enemy, sickness, disease, and infirmity. As, as Dr. Paul was sharing, there was not a time that Jesus came in contact with anyone that needed healing, that had diseases, or that was uh, calling out to him for, for a need, that he didn't minister to it and touch it and respond. So therefore, as believers and as Christians, sickness, disease, and infirmity are our enemies. And we're to do the same thing that Jesus did. Amen. So I just want to share some verses. And then we're going to take, take an opportunity. Um, Deuteronomy 130 says this. The Lord your God who goes before you. He will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. You must not fear them for the Lord your God. This is Deuteronomy three twenty two. You must not fear them for the Lord your God himself fights for you. Isaiah 53.5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Psalm 103, 2 and 3 says this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. James five fifteen says this. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Psalm 41.3 says, The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. Proverbs 4.20 and 22. My child... Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight to them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those that find them and healing to their whole body. Isaiah 54, 17. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. 1 John five fourteen and 15. And we are confident that he who hears us Whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He gives us what we ask for. And I'm here to tell you that we have a good Father. And when we ask for our, from our Father, and we ask for bread, for living bread, He doesn't give us a stone. And when we ask for healing, it is His will every time to heal. I can show you this through Scripture, through the beginning in Genesis When God created the heavens and the earth, when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, there was no sickness and there was no disease. That is not his plan. Sin came and that sin brought death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is what? Eternal life. That's not God's doing. God is that is not a God. He doesn't bring sickness and disease to teach you a lesson. He doesn't bring sickness and disease so that you can just be shown that and be like, oh, well, I guess it's his will. No, it's not his will. His will is that you have life and have abundant life. That's his will. Sickness, sickness and disease is our enemy. And he's a good father. A good father doesn't ever bring sickness and disease to their child. This little precious baby right here, you would never say, I'm going to teach my child something by bringing disease and sickness to it. Not a good father. And we have the best father. He, Jesus came and, and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus came and paid the penalty to sith. To sin. And Jesus came and provided healing. By his stripes, we are healed. So if you have a need for prayer, and we're, we're going to do this very quickly. It doesn't take a long, drawn-out process. We're going to lay hands on you and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And you're going to receive healing. If you have a need for healing, I'd like you to come up. Those um, And Neva, would you please come up? Some of you different ladies who are prayer warriors, come up. Pastors, come up. Those who share testimony, come up. And we're going to lay hands on the sick and pray. Those who need salvation, I would encourage you to come up and come over to this side of the, the sanctuary. We're going to have some people pray with you for salvation. Um, if you the same faith that it takes to believe, listen to me, the same faith that it takes to believe that Jesus wants to save your soul, to cleanse you from all sin and, from sin, is the same faith that is required to receive healing. If you've believed that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. To pay the price of every sin you've ever committed. Then you have the, the right amount of faith to believe for healing.
2: Okay, for, for,
0: and- You're going to be right here. Salvation. If there's, if there's anyone in the house that has not had salvation. You haven't received Christ. Please come forward to this side. If you need healing. If you need a miracle in your life. If you need a mountain to be moved in your life. Then come forward over in this area. And we're going to lay hands and pray with you. We could have the music please put on. The rest of you, if you need to be dismissed in preparations for the wedding and all those other things, you're more than welcome to be dismissed. Just please do so quietly, and we're going to pray.